What is up, Kangaroo Chasers, and welcome back to the OG and the best International Rugby League podcast. That's right, it's Chasing Kangaroos. No, sorry, Dustin, it's not Rugby League in America, although, man, it's my favourite podcast, RLA. I'm loving what the boys are producing over there on the other side of the world. Love listening to it every second week um, in conjunction with this podcast. Of course, I'm Carbs, your host, Don Carboni, whatever you want to call me. Um, And this episode today, tonight, whenever you're listening, it's one of my favorite episode types. It's an Ask Carbs episode. Uh, Basically, I throw it out to the Twitterverse, the Instaverse, the Facebookverse, the Metaverse, whatever you want to call the verse. Uh, But if you're not following us on Instagram, at Chasing Kangaroos Pod, uh, sorry, Twitter is at Chasing Kangaroos Pod, Instagram or Facebook at Chasing Kangaroos. Um, and every now and then I throw it out and say, hey guys, recording and ask carbs, let me know what you want to talk about. And it's my favorite type of episode. Um, not because I love talking to myself for, you know, almost an hour, um, but because I get to interact with you guys. I get to hear what you want me to be talking about. I get to answer some questions. Um, and I get some ideas for future episodes as well. You know, this, you guys are the pulse. I want to produce stuff that not only I enjoy recording, but that you guys want me to be talking about. I want to produce good content, very different content. And the questions here, you know, it's not the kind of stuff you hear every day, you know, on Triple M NRL, on the Matty John show, on, you know, Gus Gould's pod, um, whatever. You don't hear this kind of stuff in NRL land, in Super League land. Um, it's our own little community. It's International Rugby League land. And I love being a part of it. I love that you guys are here with me. So... I've got a whole bunch of questions. Um, I'm just going to, this is kind of unplanned, and that's what I love about the episodes, um, the Ask Carbs episodes, is that I'm just going to roll, I'm going to go through the questions that have been asked, I'm going to answer as many as I can until I'm a little bit tired of talking to myself or until, you know, my kids start yelling. You might hear them in the background, hopefully not. But let's start rolling. Let's start answering some questions, and um, there's some juicy ones in there. I had a quick look, um, but I'm going to, Roll through them, get through as many as I can. Hope you enjoy it, guys. So first question is uh, from Twitter. It's a, it's a big one to start with. So at uh, D Watson Hayes, Daniel, how are you, buddy? Long time listener. Thanks for asking. You always ask a question, which I love whenever I throw these out. So I'm going to answer you first, mate. So your question, Dan, was the highly anticipated international calendar. Where is it? Surely the NRL, RLPA, drawn out CBA negotiations aren't still being blamed for the delay of the multi-year rolling calendar. Uh, Good question, Dan. I see you asking it quite a bit. I see you adding Troy Grant quite a bit with this one, as a few of you out there do, a few of your listeners do. Um, And Troy, of course, has been on the pod a couple of times. Love Troy, good bloke. Um, I feel sorry for Troy on this one because this whole rolling calendar thing, he sort of inherited. He's gone with it. And it's harder than it seems, obviously. Um, and reason being is the IRL, you know, doesn't have all the power for like bilateral competition, right? When it comes to if you know Australia wants to play England or whatever, the IRL can't sort of demand that. Um, what the IRL does control is World Cups every four years. Um, if we want to have nines World Cups. And if we have qualifiers leading to World Cup. So what we are seeing and what the IRL have announced and have put in place is um, Mia 
championships, so the Middle East Africa qualifying tournaments that lead to World Cups, the Euro championships, ABC, so they're the Euro tournaments that lead to World Cup qualification, um, the Americas championship, so when we see US, Canada, Jamaica and now Brazil um, trying to qualify, uh, and Colombia as well actually, sorry, and Chile, sorry, Chile, not Colombia, my bad, but qualification um, confederation tournaments that qualify for World Cups. These are all things that have been organised. Now, Asia-Pacific, not really necessary because, you know, all the big um, Pacific nations, Australia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, Cook Islands, uh, they're all qualified. They've already qualified for the next World Cup because that's kind of how it is. Uh, top eight from each World Cup automatically qualifies for the next, which means there's no need for the Asia-Pacific stuff, and that's probably a, a good thing for IRL and NRL because uh, that could get messy if it wasn't that way. Um, but what it means is we don't need to see a Pacific Asia-Pacific tournament because that's already sort of taken care of. The full complement are in World Cup. So, But what I guess Dan's asking and what other people are always asking for is what, what about kangaroo tours and what about England tours and Lions tours and you know Kiwi tours and what about all that sort of stuff? And... I guess that sort of stuff is being hampered by the um, the CBA negotiations. And I had an episode, I did record an episode at length a couple of weeks ago, so go back, listen to that, Dan, if you haven't, or anyone else that's asking the same question. Um, but the big gripe for International Rugby League with CBA negotiations is that uh, the players or the, the NRL players, um, they need, they're asking for or they're requiring sufficient time off in the off-season, and if if internationals go deep, then can the players get the time off? Can they come back the next year and start their pre-season for the next NRL season later and later and later and later? Um, to be honest, it should have been cleared up by now, um, which is really disappointing. Um, we've just come off a pretty successful World Cup. You know, as far as our Rugby League World Cups go, it was okay. And there's nothing to really show for it in terms of where are the kangaroos, where are the kiwis, where's Matema, where's Tosomoa, you know, where are the kumuls, where's the Bari, what's going on? And we're seeing England and France um, this week at time of recording, this weekend. So that's going to be awesome. We've seen Euros announced. As I say, we've got MEA, we've got Americas. Um, there's a whole heap of good stuff there. But we should probably be trying to take it a step further and... You know, Troy's in a tough spot. International Rugby League's in a tough spot. Um, do they announce stuff and then the NRL says, no, fuck that, uh, for one of, pardon the French, but, you know, they, you know, how much can IRL announce? And um, it's kind of sad, sad state of affairs at the moment that the NRL holds a lot of the cards and this CBA negotiation is delaying things. Um, but would love to have Troy on the pod again to talk about this. We'll get him on soon. Um He's always happy to come on, which I, I love about Troy. Um, maybe we should do like a Twitter live with Troy and get you guys to be out throwing questions at him because I know he'd love that. Um, we should try to do that. Um, hope that answers your question, Dan. Um, yeah, we need some internationals though, don't we, man? Like, fucking hell. Where are those kangaroos at? Um, at Hypothetic Rugby League, Mr. Dave Hunter. Uh, Dave and I are recording a pod soon together. Um, about expansion. So I'm looking forward to that. Dave, I've asked you, you said yes, and now I'm putting it out into the world. I'm recording it, letting people know so that 
you know, I stick to it and we do it soon. Um, Dave asks, well, this is a juicy question. Dave asks, franchise rugby league, NARL, that's North American Rugby League, Euro 13, remember that, and CRL, which I assume is California Rugby League, and all the rest of them. When will we see any of these types of anti-establishment comps succeed, if ever? Are they dangerous to the growth of international rugby league? Fuck, Dave, that's a big question. Um, I think we've kind of got to look at all of these separately. So let's let's break it down. Franchise rugby league, very new. Um, it is uh, essentially Euro 13's version 2.0, very different. There's a, I see there's a couple of questions about franchise rugby league further down here. So I'll, I'll answer, I'll talk more about franchise RL soon. Um, I don't know how anti-establishment franchise RL is other than the fact that they don't seem like the RFL, European Rugby League, you know, there's no affiliation officially, although apparently there's discussions or there's been conversations according to Franchise Rugby League. So at the moment, let's leave that to the side. We'll talk more about that later because there are some cues later on about Franchise Rugby League. Uh, NARL, well, yeah, NARL, NARL. That was a tough one. That was that was dangerous. Um, that was one that I was excited about. I believed the hype. We we dedicated some time to it. Blew up in a lot of faces, including including my own. Um, I was excited for it. I was hoping hoping this could be it. You know, finally, but um, it wasn't. And NARL does not exist anymore. Um, and kind of like really, let's be honest. It it shook things up in the States in terms of USARL, the whole North Conference, you know, has had pretty much split with the South because of it. Um, great to see that things are being repaired there and we're seeing the we're seeing the um, Pacific Coast Rugby League doing some great things on that side of America. You know, there's essentially now an East v West happening with USARL, which all of you Rugby League in America listeners will know all about. Um, and I feel like that little piece in the north, so your Bostons, your, your Brooklyns, um, your, D, your, Slay, uh, your I was going to call them DC Slayers, <laughs> your DC side and um, et cetera, like that could all come back together, which is really good. I'm really enjoying watching, you know, things start to move forward positively over there um, with the USARL across the, the nation, which is really cool. Uh, baby steps though. But NARL essentially like, yeah, did stifle that for a couple of years. And um, CRL, same same thing, maybe. Uh, they're very anti-establishment, Tom, very anti-establishment. <laughs> Loves it though. I think he'll own that. But CRL, California Rugby League were initially like mates with USARL. And I think they probably thought, you know, by coming in, they could really take, you know, have a really powerful voice, maybe take over, maybe be the, the lead voice over there. That didn't quite work out, so they split, and now they want to do their own thing and make lots of noise. There has been a lot of noise. Um, I haven't seen too much noise on the field. There's been a game here and there, which is great. Um, obviously, easier said than done. The noise is there, um, but I feel like the rest of the country seems to be getting about their business, um, and CRL sort of doing their thing, everyone else doing their own thing. Um, is that dangerous for the growth of International Rugby League? I guess from an American perspective, fuck, I sound like I'm rambling here. Dave, what a question. From an international perspective, you know, we want the USA 
to get their act together because we all see a lot of potential there. Um, but the the more division um, there is, then the harder that will be. Um, so I, I guess it is dangerous for the growth. Um, and then Euro 13s, well, another competition that no longer exists. But Euro 13s was an interesting one because Euro 13s came about at a time where there was sort of nothing like it in Europe. There still is nothing like it in Europe. Like if you think about, you know, 16 clubs from all over Europe, not in, you know, that you know, having an opportunity to be semi-professional. What what Euro 13s did was it brought European Rugby League out saying, hey, you know, we were planning something like this. Um, we want to do it. Uh, and it sort of sped that up a little bit. And then COVID sort of slowed that down and killed Euro 13s and then in the process and we're sort of back to square one. But maybe something like that, is it dangerous for the growth or does it accelerate growth in some ways? That's an interesting question. Um, interesting question. So in terms of danger, I guess, Dave, like, peace is important in our sport. We've seen a lot of divisive um, people, groups in every nation that has played the sport. We've seen division, um, and I think it's time more than ever now for peace. We've got to grow as a sport. So, yeah, for that reason, it probably is dangerous. Um, will any of these anti-establishments ever be successful um, you know, it doesn't look like it will be. Uh, name one anti-establishment competition that has succeeded in the history of rugby league. And the only one seems to be rugby league itself back in 1895. Um, so yeah, interest, if, if, we're, if, <laughs> if history is any suggestion of the future, the answer is probably no, Dave. Why do I fucking answer the two hardest questions first? All right, what else have we got? The real flea. Here he is, Chris, long-time listener as well. Thanks for your question, mate. You, again, you always have a question for me, so I love it, man. Thank you so much for listening. So The Real Flea says, asks, have we already squandered the legacy of the World Cup because of the complete lack of international calendar? Um, yeah, mate, look, what is the legacy? So what is the legacy? I think if you look at the UK... World, the World Cup in England, in Great Britain. Um, probably the biggest thing to come out of it was the success of wheelchair rugby league. Um, and that over there, and we don't, you know, probably here in Australia, we don't hear about that or didn't see that as much. But over there, it seemed to be a huge success, make a bit of noise. And there seems to be momentum there. So from a leg legacy pers perspective, that's probably the biggest thing to come out of that. We're seeing some some of the ladies who took part in the Women's World Cup you know, from um, England and Brazil and France coming over here to have a crack at the NRLW or grades below it. So that's some good legacy. But in terms of, I guess, International Rugby League from a men's perspective, you know, England over there, we've, you know, playing France this week, but potentially with no one to play at the end of the season. Um, looking at nothing organised so far between the powerhouses here in the Pacific um, and, and, you know, do we continually go back to square one? Every World Cup, we get excited for the build-up. We get there. It's bigger than ever. It's better than ever. And then nothing happens the year after. It's, it's a real shame. Um, I'd hate to say that we have squandered the legacy of the World Cup because of the lack of international calendar. But, Chris, I think you might be right, mate. I, I think we have so far. It's a real shame because... 
there is a genuine love as as much as there is we do see negativity around international rugby league and you do see those wankers saying what's the point but there is passion for it a lot of us do love it and a lot of us can't love it because there isn't enough of it to love um, but we saw when St Helens came out here you know before the NRL season started and beat the Panthers you know there's a bit of a spark there and um we just got to we just got to light that spark we got to we got to get the flame going um, we need consistency we can't just rely on world cups every 4 years or so thrown together hail married and then nothing really happens after that so uh, it's it's a question i hate answering chris but i hope that i hope that was one that's sufficient for you mate i know you're not going to be happy with that probably um here's a new what might be a new listener, Jammed Donut or Jam Donut has not at Jam Donut on Twitter. I think hasn't asked a question before. So welcome to the to, to the community, mate. Thanks for your question. What does France need to do to get to the next level? Was a great question, and this is this is one that I'd love to record a full podcast about. Maybe a couple of episodes, you know, get some get some people on that side of the world helping me answer this question. But without going too deep, I guess what Fran- what we need as a sport, and I've said this a hundred times, so if you if you if you're a long time listener, sorry for being so repetitive. Um, but Jam Donut, what we need as a sport is a professional French league. Um, now Elite One's okay, it's semi pro, there's some decent players there. But it's still probably, you know, championship league to, between championship league one level. You know, maybe the top teams could compete in the championship. Maybe the bottom teams are sort of League One-ish. So it's a sort of tier two to three compared to Super League. We really need a French league that is comparable to Super League. Um, We need juniors playing. We need those pathways filtering through to the top to a French Super League or a National Rugby League France or an elite, whatever. We need a third pro competition france is where it needs to be that's how france level up now it's not going to be easy and i know luke lacoste is talking about it that off the back of the world cup in 25 the plan is you know a pro league in france which i'm you know oh look easier said than done once again so you know i wish it all the best but we know there's going to be some hurdles to get there we need to get there um um, and it's not going to be easy because French Rugby Union, very powerful. And what's going to happen if we have a pro French Rugby League? Well, French Rugby Union is going to be poaching its best players. We know that's going to happen, but we need to sort of get through that. We need to get through that. We need to give you know French athletes another opportunity because, look, as similar as League and Union can be, also very different. And there are certain player types that are going to be better, certain athletes that are going to be better at league than union and athletes that are going to be better than union at union than league. So what this pro league needs to do is give young French kids another opportunity. You know, maybe some of these kids go, hey, um, I'm actually better at rugby league. I could actually represent. I can make money here at home because it's professional. I can play England every year. I can go to World Cups. I can go to Australia and New Zealand every now and then. Um, this is and I'm better at league than I am at union. So this is my this is my sport. This is where I'm going. We need those opportunities. We need Catalans and Toulouse in the Pro French League eventually. We need, you know, French teams that can beat 
English teams that I'm talking from a club perspective. Um, and, and that way, you know, the juniors coming through, we get a France that can compete with England, um, which is super important for our sport. Um, easier said than done, Jam Donut, but thanks for your question, mate. Um, rolling on. What's another new one? Kelsey DRRLFC, at Kelsey DRRLFC. Doctor Rugby League Football Club, maybe? No? Something? I don't know. Kelsey, correct me on Twitter, mate. But thanks for your question. He says, do you think, or she, he or she, do you think the governing bodies of Australia, England, New Zealand and France should help the governing bodies in other countries to develop the game in those countries? Um, I do. I actually do. I, I don't think, and again, this is similar to a question I get a lot or that I hear a lot as well. Um, is the NRL responsible for international rugby league? No, it's not. Um, but obviously, you know, with the talent that we're seeing in coming out of, you know, Samoa, Tonga, Heritage, you know, New Zealand, you know, PNG, Fiji, um, obviously the NRL has an opportunity to have, to, to really make international rugby league in the Pacific a thing that generates a lot of interest, a lot of money, a lot of eyeballs. Um, it is the low-hanging fruit. It is untapped potential. Like if you don't think Samoa v Tonga can be as big as state of origin in Samoa, Tonga, and even in Auckland, then you got rocks in your head. Like this is low-hanging fruit. This is like, and the NRL knows it. They just need to figure out how it fits. And um, that's this is one thing that's that's easy in my opinion. You know, we need less NRL games. We need more internationals. Trust me, this will work. But anyway, no one's prepared to do that or take that risk, um, even though I don't think it's risky. But so yeah, so. What am I saying? Yeah, I, I think I think particularly um, when it comes to Australia and England, you know, we even New Zealand, um, New Zealand should be trying to help um, Samoa Tonga. But I kind of leave New Zealand out of this because New Zealand is growing themselves, you know. New Zealand has great talent, but in terms of infrastructure, money, they're, they're nowhere near, you know, ARL, NRL. Um, New Zealand needs needs to be helped along as well as part of the NRL and needs more power, you know. New Zealand Rugby League should be as powerful as, you know, QRL, New South Wales, etc., and feeding into that NRL system. But anyway, Australia should be, as a governing body, the ARL should be helping, I believe, first and foremost, Papua New Guinea, helping build those pathways, um, build the domestic league, build the pathways through to the NRL and create a really strong Kumuls. Um, and orchid side. Um, I think that is, again, that this is low-hanging fruit. Um, Australia, I think, has, you know, is required to help Papua New Guinea. I think it's in Australia's best interest from a sporting perspective, from a government political perspective, um, and from a rugby league perspective. Um, PNG could win a World Cup in the next few World Cups, um, and Australia needs to sort of help them do that. I believe. England, same thing with France. Uh, we, we touched on it. We need a French professional league. England needs to help France. England needs strong competition on their doorstep. Um, and they need to be starting with France and then eventually Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and then and then move out. Italy, Serbia, Greece, etc. Uh, but it has to start with France. It's the lowest hanging fruit. England needs France to be successful. Otherwise, England can never beat Australia at a World Cup ever. And I mean that. 
So yeah, short short answer, Kelsey. Yes. Um, at O oh, the Saint, who I see a lot on Twitter, and I like a lot of your stuff. Um, your question: What is the latest on the Southern Hemisphere Four Nations? An England v Tonga Test Series. So again, I recorded um, an episode a couple of weeks ago at length about this. Um, and to my knowledge, nothing has changed. So for any newbies out there, um, Tonga was in deep discussions about touring England at the end of the year. Um, and then we saw some reports saying that a Four Nations tournament um, here in the Southern Hemisphere was being penciled in between Australia, New Zealand, Tonga and Samoa. So Tonga put in this awkward position where they're like, okay, do we stick around, do we stay at home and play in this awesome Four Nations or do we go to England, um, make some money over there, I believe, because they're going to get some full houses, some TV deals, going to be awesome. Uh, which way do they go? Um, no, uh, the latest is, that's it. We don't know yet. So waiting to hear more. Um, as soon as I find out, I'll let you guys know. So follow me on the Twitter space. Um, next question, at... Chow from Devon. Chow, I hope I got that right. At Chow from Devon. Uh, another newbie. I don't think I've seen a question from you before. Welcome, mate, to the community. Um, my three-part question would be, if the NRL can announce and play their schedule for the year despite no finalised CPA with the IRLPA, why can't the IRL? Is this not the NRL deliberately obstructing the IRL? And is not it time, Troy Grant, and the IRL go ahead and announce a plan? Okay, kind of answer this one, I think. Uh, let me make sure I did. Um, if the NRL can announce... So the NRL can, can announce their schedule. Um, as I mentioned before, the international schedule is more about, you know, how much time off do the international players get in between seasons. So that's why um, the NRL can announce stuff and the and the IRL can't in this regard or, or the Kangaroos can't in this regard, the Kiwis can't in this regard. Um, is the NRL not deliberately obstructing the IRL? Uh, I don't... I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's deliberate. I wouldn't like to think it's deliberate. Um, I think the NRL thinks they can do whatever the fuck they want, to be honest, when it comes to the IRL. So, yep. Um, and is it not time for Troy and the IRL to go ahead and announce a plan? Look, they've announced as much as they can. Um, again, um, you know, what more can the, can the IRL do? What more can Troy Grant do? There, there is a situation, What I like how, I think, international cricket does it really well where they say that over a period of time all of their like top tier nations need to play each other so it might be like over like an eight-year cycle you need to have played everyone in a tournament um cricket does that really well um i don't know if the irl has the power that international cricket does but maybe that's a discussion that needs to be had between all the big bodies uh and i mean nrl arl um rfl and IRL, all the all the acronyms, um, something to consider. Child from Devon, um, at Pax Australis. What happened? Whatever happened to Pacific Tres? Great question. Great question. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what Pacific Tres is, uh, go back to episode sixty-two of this podcast, which is almost a hundred episodes ago. Jesus, that's crazy. Uh, episode 62, Pacific Trez. Um, it was an episode I recorded with the Pacific Trez media manager, Laurent Garnier. Great episode. Uh, and basically what Pacific Trez is, is uh, they were a team, or they are a team who were trying to get into the Queensland Rugby League, into the Queensland Cup. 
um, and they're based sort of in New Caledonia, French Polynesia. So basically French-speaking Polynesian nations coming together um, and putting together this side that could play in the Q-Cup, similar to the Kumuls, uh, not the Kumuls, sorry, similar to um, similar to PNG, the PNG side. I'm going blank. What's wrong with me? PNG Hunters. Um, so really exciting at the time. What happened? COVID happened, uh, unfortunately. This was 100 episodes ago. So yeah, COVID happened. Um, it appears as though you know, I don't think they're part of any expanded Q Cup. I haven't heard much in that regard. Um, I don't think they, they achieved that. Um, but I have still seen things happening on the ground. So clinics, youth development happening thanks to Pacific Tres in the last couple of months. It's, it's great to see because these are not nations where rugby league is huge. Um, so awesome to see. Um, there's hints of interest all the time with partnerships with French Rugby League, which is great. makes a lot of sense as well. Um, it could be one that slowly bubbles away. Um, so, look, I don't think it's dead by any means. I don't think it's as big as they wanted it to be. Um, but I think it's baby steps and it's, you know, it, it continues on. So um, maybe we're due to get Laurent back for an update on that one. Uh, thanks for your question, Pax Australis. All right. Moving along, powering through these. I feel like I feel like we're powering through these questions. Let's keep it going. Uh, at Spendan underscore. This must be an Instagram question. Thoughts on this whole IMG thing happening in Super League? Fuck. This is this is probably this one probably needs a full episode, and I probably need someone from that side of the world who knows what they're talking about, or maybe even maybe even Mike Wood. Uh, might be an excuse to get Mike Wood back on the phone. Um, but I'm sure all of you guys are following along. IMG um, have put in place their plans for Super League, uh, probably going to rename Super League, um, and and um, basically put in um, a number of a set criteria for what clubs need to achieve in terms of on-field performance, um, crowds, etc etc a whole range of things i won't go into too much detail like i said it needs a whole episode um plenty of good super league pods um and english-based rugby league pods that dive deep into this too so i encourage you listening to those if you haven't already if you don't already um but um and this week the clubs the rfl clubs uh so all the clubs in um super league championship and league one bar the french clubs for reasons that are silly um, have voted and they voted in favour of the reforms. Um, so that's what's happening at the moment, just top level. My thoughts on it are, I've had a 180 on this, to be honest with you, because as you all know, for me, like, I'm all about expansion. I've loved what was happening with the Toronto Wolfpack. I was excited about Ottawa Aces, New York, et cetera, et cetera. And then COVID happened and that all died. And and it's it's sort of digressed a lot. And but what I think IMG are doing initially is really trying to strengthen what we have as a sport, um, that M62 corridor, make it as strong as possible. Um, and, and that's what this criteria is all about and that's what they seem to be doing. Um, initially, I knee-jerk against that because I'm like, well, what about fucking, I know we're not going to Toronto anymore, but like what about London? You know, what about, um, what about Dublin? What about Edinburgh? What, you know, what about... Um, Cardiff, like, you know, where's the growth? Where's the expansion? Um, and I've come to the conclusion that I think that will come. 
um, but they need to get the foundations right first. And that means having the strongest possible um, top league with what we have at the moment. Um, and I think that's actually really important. Um, and I think they can get something which is pretty decent. Um, you probably need to, there's probably a few clubs that, you know, shouldn't be at the top and a few clubs that should, and let's get that right and let's get them consistent and comfortable and growing and then let's start to bring other clubs in. And, and what they should be thinking about after that, and they probably are, is what I've mentioned. You know, London London is something that needs to be, you know, London needs to be at the top of the English Rugby League pyramid. We need to think about Newcastle. We need to think about Midlands. We need to think about Dublin, Edinburgh, Cardiff, because we need we need pathways to come from the rest of the UK and Ireland um, into the Super League. I think that is really important as a next step. And they should even be thinking about, you know, what could, you know, could, would a Manchester team make sense? You know, a greater Manchester team, would that make sense? Would a Liverpool team make sense? You know, probably Manchester more so than Liverpool. But, I mean, I just think, you know, imagine Manchester v London in the top league. And then again, imagine Liverpool v like Saints or Wigan in the top league. Imagine Dublin. Like, I mean, just there's there's a lot there. But um, we need to take baby steps, build foundations before we before we build walls and, and ceilings. Um, and I actually think they're going about it the right way. As um, as slow as it seems for an expansionist like me and as, uh, as you know, it's the, the furthest away from pie in the sky, which I usually love. Um, but my thoughts are it's going okay. Um, I'm glad the, the clubs are in favour for the most part. And um, let's watch this space and see what happens next. Uh, but definitely need a whole episode on this. So uh, we'll try and organise that in the near future. Maybe as things progress a little bit. Uh, next question, at grub underscore permaculture. This is, again, uh, this, uh, a lot of new people asking questions. I've never seen, grub, welcome. Welcome, you grub. Um, if you had, now this is a good question, if you had the NRL and Super League in a room together, what would be the top three priorities to agree on? If you had the NRL and Super League in a room together, what would be the top three priorities to agree on? This is a cracker question. This is like, this question deserves a whole episode in itself as well. I wish I was prepared for this one. Okay. Okay, so there's probably a few things they need to get together on. So firstly, they need to help each other with brand awareness and, and finance if they can. I'll expand on that a little bit. They need to like align their competitions. I'll expand on that a little bit. I'm making this up as I go. So let me expand. Let me let me talk. Let me hopefully not go on a tangent. And thirdly, they need to agree on um, an international. Like they, like we need Australia play in England. We need New Zealand play in England. Um, we need these things happening regularly. Okay. So brand perspective. Um, rugby league is really cool. It's a great sport. When you, if anyone that hasn't watched it, when they watch it for the first time, it's great. Um, I've got a silly story, but um, mate of mine from London had relatives over. He lives in Sydney now. Had relatives over. They're sitting down watching Parramatta Eels last week, 
Um, wasn't even a cracker game, but the relatives are like relatives from London are like, oh wow, what is this? Like we didn't know this type of rugby existed. This is great. If this was on every week at home, we would watch it, right? <laughs> so the irony is, it is on home every week. It is it is on every week back home, but um, they don't know about it. Um, so from a brand perspective, NRL, the biggest and best rugby competition in the world, um, they should be like there should be. I think there's room for at least one big NRL match a week on the BBC, for example. Um, there's also room for like a big Super League match every week on on like Channel Nine or like on 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 um, on terrestrial TV here in Australia as well. Like whether it be like a Sunday morning fixture, like I think that would that would get eyeballs. It doesn't have to be Fox or KO. Um, but certainly from from a NRL perspective, one big game on BBC every every week as part of like a Super League package could be something that RFL sell, um, and and it could work in favour of both both competitions because well, what does the NRL get out of that? Like exposure in a huge untapped market for them. It is a it, there is rugby league there. People know about it. There is room to grow. It's a big rugby market. But are you telling me that like NRL clubs don't want to sell jerseys in London, you know, or take games over there every now and then or, you know, take an origin over there or, you know, get people coming over here to watch the game? Like there's there's so much potential there. Um, I'm going to go on a massive tangent, but, but geez, like the NRL has the potential to be, you know, maybe not EPL, NFL, NBA level, but, you know, next next le- like sort of the next tier of that like there's there's potential for worldwide eyeballs on the NRL I believe great product great sport great athletes um and England is a chance to do that they should be doing that NRL and Super League should be helping each other there um in terms of alignment like they need to align the competition so that you know the same number of rounds um it it sort of runs parallel. If there's gaps for internationals, we play it. If there's gaps for origin or like whatever, we, we're playing that. You know, magic weekends, you know, is there a chance, for example, could there be a chance this year, for example, you know, we've got 17 clubs in the NRL. Could St. Helens have come over here during magic round and played the World Club Challenge during magic round? Could that be cool? Um, you know, is there gaps where, you know, we can have, three origin matches, which allow, you know, on standalone weekends, which allows New Zealand to go over or Tonga or Samoa to go over and play England, you know, for three weeks. Um, Can we align on the end of season so that um, World Club Challenge can happen at the start or end or whenever it does happen, but make it a permanent fixture? Can we align on that? Can we have room at the end of the year for internationals? Can we align on that? Can both competitions align and run parallel and work together. Um, I think that's three things. International calendar, parallel season, um, and branding, building brands together. I think those are the three things. Great question, what a, f- what a mad question. That deserves a whole episode. All right, at man with a mic, Dustin. Marmite, is it really all people make it out to be? Oh, good one, Dustin. Is it really all? Mar- Firstly, I think you meant Vegemite, but both are shit is the answer to that question. Let's keep rolling. Dustin, Rugby League in America podcast. If you're not listening, why not? What a great, what a great podcast. 
Okay, M Robo Seven. <laughs> Here we go. M Robo Seven, the new Euro Thirteen format. Four teams? Question mark. There's another question here from Big Al right under it. Franchise Rugby League question mark. Right. Uh, what is Franchise Rugby League? Uh, anyone on Twitter, a couple of you obviously have asked about it. Um, Franchise Rugby League is one of the owners, founders of Euro 13, uh, reviving a format of sorts. It's very different. It's not the same as Euro 13. So for any newbies, Euro 13... 16 clubs trying to you know go from semi-pro to pro in Europe trying to help um, trying to help clubs from nations who don't get a lot of competition etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and separate to you know no affiliation with European rugby league um, it was an interesting time all of that happening we broke the news on this pod uh, people hated me people loved me it was fun um, and now they're back kind of so one of the owners of Euro 13, one of the founders of Euro 13, has now come out with Franchise Rugby League, which is different. Um, not as grandiose um, as Euro 13's was or was trying to be, um, but rather um, looking at a four-team competition, including na- uh, clubs who have grander aspirations. And that gra- those grander ad- aspirations typically to be a part of the RFL pyramid. Um, this is how it was explained to me. Uh, so the four clubs are Valencia Hurricanes, the Hurricanes, the Bath Rugby League, Alicante Cruzados, so another Spanish, so two Spanish clubs, Alicante, the Crusaders, and Bristol Sonic, so another club in the UK. So two UK clubs, two Spanish clubs, um, apparently all four grand aspirations and hopes to one day be in the uh, RFL pyramid. And we know Valencia, they've been saying it for a while, um, they want to be in League One. Um, now, worth noting, the, the owner of Franchise Rugby League, also the owner of Valencia, also the owner of Bath. Um, so worth noting that Alicante Cruzados, a new club, um, hasn't played before, um, um, but another Spanish club, which is interesting, which is cool. Uh, Bristol Sonics, a brand that has existed. I'm not sure that they've played games. Maybe they have. Um, another English club though um, and sort of resurrected and here they are in Franchise Rugby League. So we've got two British clubs, two Spanish clubs um, and all of these clubs or this the whole purpose of the competition is to bring together some competitive competition for clubs that have higher aspirations which I think is kind of cool. I think that concept is cool. Um, from what I was told, the idea is let's get a season. You know, everyone plays each other twice. Let's get a season. Let's see if it can be profitable or break even. And if so, let's get a second season and let's keep going and making it bigger and bigger and helping these clubs achieve professionalism, helping them achieve access to the pyramid or or greater things, Um, which in theory, I'm okay with that. Um... Good luck to them um, and see how they go. Um, I don't think, you know, Euro 13s seem to be, you know, I like the idea of Euro 13s, but it was very divisive. There was a lot of division in Europe, you know, with the European Rugby League, with the likes of Red Star and, you know, Greece and, and all the Netherlands and whatever against this whole, you know, this rebel format. Um, that doesn't seem to be here. 
I don't think there's anything divisive about this. Like Red Star Belgrade, you know, um, they can go about their business doing their own thing. The clubs in the Netherlands, the clubs in, you know, the Mad Squirrels, the uh, clubs in Greece, they can go and do their own thing and, and not worry too much about what's going on here and good luck to them. Um, so I think that's okay. Um, they, so Franchise Rugby League, from what I've been told, have notified the RFL about what they're doing. Said, you know, happy to, would love their blessing. Uh, RFL, I think, you know, they're thinking about this whole IMG reform. So I think from their perspective, it's like, yeah, whatever. They're not too interested in what's going on from what I understand. But what I like is there's nothing divisive here. It all seems amicable. <laughs> I could be wrong. Who knows? Let's see how this plays out. Uh, but we will see how it plays out. Um, from my perspective, uh, two Spanish clubs, kind of interested in that. Two English clubs, not as interested in that. Um, and I'm trying to work out why I feel that way because, you know, they're all amateur at this stage trying to be professional. But I don't. I think from my perspective, like, I'm not as, um, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. Ottawa Aces, you know, club in Canada trying to get into League One. I love that. I love it. It's awesome. You know, that's mad. But, you know, move them to Cornwall and, you know, rebrand and it's an English club now and I give less I give less fucks about that. And that's kind of how I feel about Bath Rugby League, Bristol Sonics. No offence. Um, but, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth tier English clubs, I'm not as interested in. But chuck some Spanish clubs in at the same level and I'm kind of interested in that because that's like the top level of Spanish club and I want to see them grow. And there's my son yelling in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear him. Um, yeah, kind of interested in that. So, look, will I have full episodes dedicated to Franchise Rugby League? Probably not. Um, will I keep an eye on it from the Spanish club perspective? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, wish them well. Hope it goes well. And, uh, yeah, watch this space, I guess. So that's Franchise Rugby League. That's two questions answered in one. Uh, next. We've got a couple more. I'm going to try and get a couple more out. You can hear my kids in the background. So I probably don't have much more time. So what else have we got? Okay. Uh, beefy Towers. North Macedonia, in-depth, what's going on? Would love to go in-depth. We probably, we probably should have an in-depth episode of North Macedonia. Um, but top level, um, Australian diaspora. You've got guys like Paul Gallen, um, uh, Keith Galloway, and one of the Morris brothers who've been heavily involved from a coaching perspective. Um, the Aussie-based North Macedonians have played a couple of matches over here from a heritage perspective, um, which, is, which is cool. Um, but what I love most about it is the main purpose and function here is to get rugby league played back in North Macedonia. Um, so a lot of the training, a lot of funds, some of the players, they're now over there forming clubs, forming competition. Um, I think North Macedonia have just been given observer status um, of European Rugby League, uh, maybe International Rugby League. I did read an article of oh, it's one of those. Google it. Um, so that's cool. Um, again, baby steps. Is North Macedonia going to make a World Cup in the next, in 25 or 29? Probably not. Um, but, you know, it's some Aussie North Macedonians and others and some a bit of a former NRL power uh, from a player perspective trying to make things happen over there and I fucking love that. 
Let's see how it goes. Let's watch this space. And Beefy Towers will try and get a in-depth episode um, sometime this season about North Macedonia and what's happening. So if anyone, if anyone's listening from that part of the world or involved, hit me up. We'll get you on, and we'll get a, we'll get an in-depth going on episode. Uh, what else? Let's go a couple more. Ethan Andrews, 2029 World Cup hosts. Uh, obviously not announced yet. Um, you probably want me to say like USA or Canada or something like that. Uh, likely, the likelihood is it'll be like a, some sort of, <laughs> you know what, the likelihood is it'll probably be like Australia again or something like that. But um, I hear a lot of talk about like a combined Pacific kind of World Cup. Um, I'd like to hope and think that if that was the case, that it would be like New Zealand as the primary host. Um, I think New Zealand deserve it. I'd love to see a full World Cup in New Zealand, maybe a game or two in like Samoa, Fiji. Uh, but New Zealand is where I'd be hosting the 2029 World Cup, no question. Um, again, watch this space. Let's get France out of the way or let's get closer to France. Um, but hopefully we're here in more about 29 soon. Again, another question we should ask Troy Grant maybe. Um, final question, one more. We're getting close to the hour and my kids are going nuts. But I do love doing these. Did I mention that? They're the best. Ask Carbs. Keep asking me questions, guys, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as well because um, it does give me ideas. Sometimes I'll answer them online, but, you know, I can compile them for, for episodes like this. I can do more Ask Carbs. I'd love to do heaps of Ask Carbs. Daily ask carbs. All right, I'm going crazy. One more question. Luke Dillon. Well, this is a this is nice. Should Lebanon join any potential Australia, New Zealand, Pacifica tournament between World Cups? They're very competitive. I, I love this question, Luke. Um, and I've hinted at this before. Um, we need to use Lebanon better. We only see them at World Cups. You know, there's domestic activity, especially at a like a collegiate university sort of level. Um, I'm not sure how friendly the, the heritage guys here in Australia are with the domestic guys back in Lebanon. I think things have improved, um, you know, um, which is good. Um, but it's a shame that we only see Lebanon really, you know, in full force during World Cups. And it's a shame that it's pretty much Aussie, like just their Aussie heritage guys, like Mitch Moses, you know. You know, great to see him at World Cups. Um, but I want to see some of these young Lebanese guys coming through. Um, so I think there's a whole episode in like how we can use Lebanon um, as like a as an international rugby league growth tool. I think it's very interesting. Um, if you put in if you're putting in the heritage guys, the NRL and the and the levels below, um, then Lebanon is strong. You know, they're definitely you know, World Cup finals, you know, top eight, definitely top eight side. Um, they definitely can compete with some of the bigger boys. Um, so I'd love to see Lebanon take part not only in like, you know, Pacifica tournaments, like like Asia Pacific because, you know, Lebanon is part of Asia, but also like European because, you know, Lebanon's very close to Europe, probably closer <laughs> to, to England than than Fiji, for example, even though a lot of the players are going to be Aussie-based. But I'd love to see, like, from a Pacific perspective, if you throw Lebanon into, say you had, say you did have, like, you know, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga as, like, this mad tri-series origin-style hype, 
you could throw in Lebanon against, you know, PNG and Fiji, and I think that would be quite good. Like, imagine Lebanon v PNG in Port Moresby. They'd go nuts for that, you know, especially if it's NRL talent, if it's your Mitch Moseses, etc. Um, similarly, you know, you play Fiji versus Lebanon in, like, Campbelltown, I think that gets some interest as well. Um, on the other side of the world, Lebanon could be a good solution to giving England, you know, some competition that is worthy, you know. France is probably the closest they have to, to competition. We've talked about how we need France to improve and be better and be on par with England. But in the meantime, you know, a Lebanon, a full-strength Lebanon with heritage players, you know, could be decent competition for England. And, you know, maybe it's uh, England v France v Lebanon, you know, at the end of the year. That could be really cool. Um, it's this type of thinking that, you know, you know, is it a crazy idea? Maybe. But is it something that could work? Yeah, maybe. Um, the only issue is that, you know, we're still talking, you know, these are predominantly going to be NRL and below players and CBA agreements come into play. Um, so not something that could happen this year, but it is a greater discussion we should be having as a sport. Where does Lebanon fit into the International Rugby League jigsaw and how can we use them as a potential powerhouse in both hemispheres? And I think that's how I'm going to wrap it up. Um, some great questions. I think I answered like 15 questions or so, which I don't think I've ever done that much. So that's awesome. Thank you for your questions. Keep following along. Keep asking those questions. I hope you guys like this one. I've been Michael Carboni. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me. I'll see you next time.